building for the kingdom. And I was, you know, you always start with your introduction. Yeah, you don't start, you come back to your introduction. And, uh, but uh, I just couldn't find a good introduction, so I said, okay, I'm going to look up some construction jokes, because it's about building. And uh, first of all, I want to tell you, if you look up construction jokes, shield your eyes, because they're not all suitable. Uh, but why did the construction worker put his finger in the blue ink? Because he needed a blueprint. <laughs> I suppose you'd like to hear a better construction joke? I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually auditioning to, to be with Knut. <laughs> you know, many of you know uh, I've done a lot of different construction type projects. And I remember the first roof I worked on with Greg. Uh, he got really frustrated with me because <laughs> he felt like I was wasting material. We were working on this roof, and we were both nailing down shingles, and he noticed I was throwing a bunch of nails away. And he came over and he said, Steve, why are you throwing those nails away? And I said, well, the point's on the wrong end of these nails. And he goes, Steve, you use those on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was funny. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, today is groundbreaking. And uh, as I said, you mentioned you look out and it's ground broken, but it's the groundbreaking for our fellowship hall. And uh, it's hopefully a day of celebration. And today's message, though, is hopefully to get us to think rightly about this. Uh, because we're not building a temple. We're going to look at, at passages of building a temple and a tabernacle and actually even a city wall. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we're not building something like that. We're building a fellowship hall. You can go, I'm not sure that qualifies for this kind of thing. You know, we're not building a church. A church, you, you don't build a church with bricks or boards or nails. You, you build a church with people. A church is people. The Bible word, the New Testament word for church uh, that we have to the church in Corinth, to the church in Ephesus, and et cetera, et cetera, the word means congregation, not building. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's not what it means. We're not building a church. And, and in fact, we don't need a building. If, if this week, when we're all away from this place, the ground opened up and swallowed everything here and, and closed back up so we don't have a building, we're still having church next Sunday. We, we don't need the building for those things. Uh, but what we are doing is we are building for the church. We are building for the kingdom of God. We are building with the intent that we are building something that God will use and God will bless. Something that will help the word of God, the work of God to go forward in this world. And, and whether it's a fellowship hall or a church building or a temple, it's, it, it's for God's glory. We don't step away from that. And, and I don't don't want to tell you this badly. I don't want to mislead you. Uh, but it doesn't matter how much you give or how much you do. You will never own this building. It will never be yours. Right? Uh, it, it, it doesn't work that way. Uh, more than that, let me make it worse. Someday you'll probably move away. <laughs> and, and leave behind every cent you, you dropped in the offering plate here. Every bit of blood, sweat, and tears that you shed on this place, you'll probably walk... Some of you will be buried here. <laughs> some of you say it feels that way. Okay, uh, church is that? No, I mean, um, anyway. Uh, 
very few people stay in one church till they die. And, and most of us move around eventually. Our job will move, and we might have to go somewhere else, right? Uh, it's part of how this world works. Uh, we, we will move, here with, move from here with nothing but memories uh, to take with you. So why would you build? So, you know, I, I put that, you go, you know, that's a good point. I'm not putting any money in that offering. I'm not helping with this building. I'm not going because I'm not getting anything out of it. it. It's got no lasting value for me. And the answer is simple. You're building for God. You are investing in God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is worth the investment. Okay? So we're going to look at some building projects in the Bible, and we're going to see a couple of really significant things. Uh, sacrifice and joy. We're, we're going to find... Those two things consistent. And the first, the first building project in the Bible, unless we're going to look at the ark, which we're not, uh, we're going to go to the, temp, the tabernacle that they built in, in the wilderness. The, the Israelites have left Egypt. They've gone across the Sinai. They're in the land of Midian. They are at the mount uh, uh, of, of where they get the Ten Commandments. And God gives them instructions to build this tabernacle, a big wall tent uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and if you've ever studied this tabernacle, you found out that it, it was an amazing thing. Uh, you, you know, I say wall tent, you may think, well, I, that sounds like elk hunting time, you know, it's, or, or, or something like that. Uh, this, this tabernacle was an amazing thing. They had, there was lots of gold. There was lots of silver. There was lots of bronze. And it was all provided by willing contributions from people who just a couple of years ago had been slaves. You go, wow, where did they come up with these things? Well, let's start with Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Exodus 25, verses 1 through 9. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted, fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned, skin, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for the setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell with them. And, and I, I, I want to point out, by the way, uh, something that's also going to be key and going to be repeated here. Uh, verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel that they may take a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. The only kind of contribution that matters is the willing contribution. Uh, frankly, if, if you ever feel strong-armed or, 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 or uh, pressured by outside forces to give to, to the church or to, to a building project or something like that, then the answer is build a wall that that pressure can't move because that is really a poor reason to give. I, I want to apo apologize right now if you have felt that from me at some point in the past. Uh, I'm going to tell you if you come across with that message from me today that somehow you feel like you're being pressured to give, that then, then I, I want to tell you that's not my intent, and I believe it is wrong. Okay, I believe we don't need it. 
right? We don't need unwilling contributions. God says, from everyone whose heart moves him. And, and if that means we have less money, then so be it. That's really not the most, you know, money is used to buy the things that bless us. <laughs> and I, 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 should, that, I, I said that badly. <laughs> money, money is used to buy things, but those are not the things that bless us, right? The things that bless us are uh, outside of that. And, and so let your giving be from a heart that is choosing to give. Uh, I want to make that cr clear. The, the contributions came from people with willingly hearts. And then, willing hearts. And then let's jump up to chapter 35, right? Ten more chapters to the right. Exodus chapter 35. And, and I could have read the first part from Exodus 35, too, because he kind of repeats that. But I liked using the two different passages and making you flip your pages. Those of you who, those of you who aren't digital. <laughs> Verses 20 through 29, right? So he, he tells them to give, and then verse 20 to 29 is the response. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Well, that had to be discouraging. <laughs> give with willing hearts. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> And they came, or in other words, they came back. Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches, and earrings, and signet rings, and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord, and everyone who possessed blue or scarlet purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who's possessed acacia wood of any, of, of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them used their skills spun to use their Skill spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breast pieces, and the spices and the oil for the light and the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything to the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. And the people willingly brought all these things, but the story isn't over. Let's jump down to chapter 36, verses uh, 3 through 7. And they received from Moses all the contributions. Talk about the builders. They received from Moses all the contributions that is, the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from the task he was doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for doing the work of the Lord that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave a command and said, stop bringing stuff. <laughs> right, that's Steve's translation. Uh, Moses gave the command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do the work and more. And they said, stop, stop. You, we, don't, we can't use all that you're giving us. You're giving us too much. That's exciting. <laughs> you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, let each man give, uh, each man must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And let me tell you something. Cheerful givers are enough. Cheerful givers are enough. We don't need uncheerful givers. And, and, and it doesn't bless the person giving. 
And I think, I, I believe, honestly, it doesn't bless the ones receiving either. Uh, you know, we, yeah, does the church have a budget? Yeah. Does the church use money? Yeah. Do we need money? Yeah. Do we need money that people don't willingly give? I'm going to say no. You go, well, how does that work, Pastor Steve? What if, what if everyone here who's been dropping money in the offering plate actually didn't want to? <laughs> you know what? If that's the case, then we have a whole lot more problems than, than the money we'd be sh short of if that was the case, right? Uh, I believe there's something very different in, 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 in st uh, going on here. I think we have people who want to bless and serve the Lord. So where did the Israelites get this stuff? You read that, start reading that list and you say, you say wait a minute, weren't these people slaves? They were slaves. Gold armbands. When you envision a slave building temples out of bricks, making the bricks to build the temples out of bricks, do you picture that guy with a gold armband on his arm? <laughs> you know, rings, big earrings, and all. Do you picture jewelry dangling off this guy? Well, you go, no, he's a slave. He doesn't have anything. He can't do it. And the answer is when they left Egypt, they looted the Egyptians. We're going to go backwards in Exodus a little bit to chapter 12. Chapter 12 is where the actual exodus actually happens. Uh, exodus chapter 12, verses 33 to 36. And remember, I mean, you can understand the mindset of the Egyptians because the firstborn of the Egyptians had all just died, right? So it says, uh, starting at verse 33, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls up, bound up on their shoulders, their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Egypt, Egypt had, or Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians." So the Egyptians essentially said, not only are we going to let you go, we're paying you to go. What else do you want? Here, have it. Oh, I like that gold band. I like, and they plundered them. And so they got what they had to give. And, and I want to, I, I bring this up particularly, you might say, well, Steve, it sounds like you're arguing against your point of sacrificial giving. Because they got it free. I mean, they just got this stuff given to them. And so, big deal, it didn't cost them anything to then give it. Except, I, wanna, I, I, I think it's really important to think about that. Because you can make that argument, except I want to ask you about the things you have. How long does it take something you have to be yours, regardless of how you get it? Imagine... I don't know. Someone just came up and gave you free money. I was talking to, to some guys the other day. I have won the Reader's Digest lottery twice. <laughs> it's, it's a true statement. I have. Both times I received a check for 10 cents. <laughs> but imagine that decimal point was moved way down there, right? And I received instead of 10 cents, $10 million. How long does it take before Steve thinks that $10 million is his? Right? Not very long, does it? Not very long at all. And it's mine. And you come and say, Steve, it cost you nothing. Why don't you give me some? What is Steve going to say to you? <laughs> Same thing he said to all the other people who said, oh, by the way, we're related. <laughs> oh, really? We weren't related last week. It doesn't take us very long for our possessions to also possess us. There is something more going on than them being able to give what they had for free. God made sure they had it, but once they had it, they had control of it. 
and they could give it or not. And I guarantee a lot of those people who had those gold armbands went around saying, look at this, look what I have. <laughs> you don't have one of these. Oh, you do. <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, they, they had those things because they wanted them. Uh, possessions have a funny power. It doesn't matter how you get something. You consider it to be yours. And once you consider it to be yours, it can be really hard to part with. Right? It can be hard to part with unless you have a change in your thinking. Unless you have a change in your thinking because there is a way of thinking that honestly says this is not a sacrifice but a privilege. I have the chance to give. I get to be part of this. I'm going to do this because I believe in it because I believe in this project, because I want to be a part of it. I want to honor God. I want to do God's will. I want to help the church. There's a way of thinking that says this isn't a sacrifice. This is something I get to do. I get to have a part in this. I get to help. And that's the kind of giving God wants. And, and I'm going to say this in full sincerity. It's the only kind we need. We don't need other giving. The Israelites gave sacrificially. And as you read this, it certainly sounds like joyful giving. When they have to be told to stop giving, you know, these people are motivated. <laughs> uh, they were having joy in it. So that's it. Let's move ahead to the temple. The temple is a very different story. Uh, it, it's, I mean, the temple is, is basically it's the tabernacle set in stone is what it is. I mean, the, the temple is the tabernacle on a larger scale. But if we jump ahead to 1 Chronicles chapter 21... Uh, we have the first part about the temple. And, and this is where David acquires the temple mount, right? There had been a plague on, on, on the land. David sees the angel of God standing on this hilltop uh, in Jerusalem uh, called Mount Moriah. And, and, and he goes up and he asks the man who owns it, can he buy it? And this is going to become uh, the temple mount. First Chronicles chapter uh, 29 or 21 verses 22 to 25 and David said to Ornan give me the site of the threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord give it to me at its full price that the plague may be averted from the people then Ornan said to David take it and let my lord the king do what seems good to him see I give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for the grain I give it all <coughs> but King David said to Ornan no but I will buy them for the full price I will not take for the Lord what is yours not, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing so David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold for the, uh, for, in, for the site, by weight for the site. David said, I will not offer to God something that costs me nothing. I'm not going to give him what was free to me. I'm not going to pass on something. He wanted to give God something of value, uh, and I think that's significant. But when you want to talk about the value, let's jump ahead to chapter 29, uh, verses 2 to 5, and look at what David gave. Your Bibles may translate this weight into modern terms, uh, mine doesn't, and I, I think it gets, we can get lost in the details if we try to do that. First uh, Chronicles chapter 29, verses 2 through 5, David is explaining that he is, that David didn't build the temple. Solomon built the temple after David died, but the temple was dear, near and dear to David's heart. He wanted this work to go forward. 
He says, So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, the wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for settings, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that, so in addition to all the gold, silver, and precious stones that he put for the things that were needed, he, in addition to that, I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give to the house of my God 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the house, and for the work of the, done by the craftsmen, gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, who then will offer willingly, conse- consecrating himself today to the Lord. And it work, works out to roughly billions of dollars, right? David gives billions of dollars. Then we, we find, as we follow along, that the leaders of the father's households also gave, right? Verse 8, then the leaders of the father's houses made their free will offerings, and we find a lot. Then we get up down to verse Verse, uh, I'm sorry, that was verse uh, 6. We jump down to verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly with a whole heart and had offered freely to the Lord. So they had their chance to give, give also. But David did the great bulk of the giving. They didn't do it. You know, you know how you always say, we need to get a millionaire to move here and tithe? <laughs> well, they had that. His name was David. And so the people's offerings, they may have helped a little bit, financially, but the work was done by that one, you know, the, the big gun, he came in. And it's a very different story from with the tabernacle. With the tabernacle, there were no big guns. There were no millionaires stepping in and doing the, th- the, the giving and providing for this. Uh, the people all did this, but we see rejoicing, uh, that ver- those verses 8 to 9, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had given freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And we find they gave and they rejoiced for the privilege and opportunity of doing that. Okay, now let's move ahead to... Uh, um, Ezra. In Ezra, they're rebuilding the temple. The temple has been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. You know, the Israelites are taken into captivity in Babylon. That's where we find the stories of Daniel and of Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. And, and Esther happens over there, too. And, and uh, these things are happening over there because the Israelites have been taken into slavery. The temple was destroyed. It was destroyed for 70 years. And a guy by the name of Zerubbabel, actually before Ezra was even probably born, a guy by the name of Zerubbabel brings the people back into the land, and they, 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 they want to build the temple, and they run into trouble. But let's look at Ezra chapter 6, verses 3 to 5, and, and look at something interesting here. Ezra's a little book lost in a big Old Testament. I could give you a page number, but Lynn would scowl at me. So. I should say, she Lynn would scowl at me. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Ezra chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. I'll start at verse 1 just to give, give full context. Then Darius the king made a decree, and search was made in Babylonia in the house of the archives where the documents were stored, and in Ecbatana, the citadel, that is the providence in the province of Media, a scroll was found on which it was written a record. The first year of Cyrus king, Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where sacrifices were offered, and let its foundations be retained. Its height shall be 60 cubits, its breadth 60 cubits, with three layers of great stones and one layer of timber. Let the cost be paid from the royal treasury. 
and also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored and brought back to the temple that is in Jerusalem, each to its place. You shall put them in the house of God. And so he says, the government's going to pay for the building of your rebuilding of your temple. It's not going to cost you, the people, anything. The government's going to pay for it. You don't have to pony up the money. And they didn't because the government ponied it up. But guess what happened? The temple wasn't being built. Even though the money was there, the temple wasn't being built. You go, well, that sounds like an interesting thing. Now, if you're not aware of this, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament, it's not written in an exact chronological order. It's set up in different ways. So you have to hunt and find certain things. And if you do, you find out that the prophet Haggai one of the minor prophets, uh, one of the, let's see, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, fourth from the last of the, of the minor prophets. If you go to the New Testament, go back four books. <laughs> Might be the easiest way to find Haggai. Haggai was a prophet who was prophesying at that time. So Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's just to prove I've been in Awana. <laughs> okay, short little book. Takes about one page. <laughs> two pages. Three. Two and a half. Okay, Haggai, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And we get the context of what is happening here uh, in, in the book of Haggai. In the second year of Darius the king, same Darius we just read about in Ezra, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Uh, he's, he's, he's asking them a question. They were busy taking care of their own things. And because they were busy taking care of their own things, they weren't taking care of the work on the temple. Even though the provi provision was made for it, they didn't want to distract themselves from building their own place. Now, I got in trouble for this passage once before. A few years back, we were working on one of our building projects, <laughs> and, I, and I used this passage. I got in trouble because people thought I was saying, don't spend money on your own place, spend money on the temple of God, or the you know, church building project kind of thing. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to ignore your own place. You can't take care of your own house. You, you have a responsibility to maintain what you have. But, but I am saying that, that if we say, no, I'm not going to do anything for God's house because I'm too busy taking care of, what do you say, number one? <laughs> you, see, you see, that kind of makes it sound a little not nice when I put it that way, does it? Uh, and that's what was happening in, in the land of Israel. And God goes on and he tells them, so he says, says, says don't you know that, that I managed to, to control things? He says, consider this. Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat but never have, this is verse 6, you eat but never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves but no one is, is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Do you ever feel like you're earning money but you're not getting anywhere? <laughs> that's what God is saying was happening to them. Why? They didn't have the blessing of God on them. And the blessing of God comes with serving God, and he, he multiplies what we have. And it was going the opposite way for them. Well, uh, we, we move ahead to Haggai chapter 2, verse 4, and he tells them what to do about it. 
Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you peoples of the Lord of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. He says, stop doing that. Do the work that I have for you to do. I have some work I'd like you to do. And then we go back to Ezra, because it's the same time period, right? Uh, and I should have said, keep your finger in Ezra. But I didn't. Ezra chapter 6. Verses 14 through 16. They, they did it. They built the temple. Ezra chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the people, uh, through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. They finished their building by the decree of God and Israel and by the decree of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They, 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 when they, you know, it's like they didn't do the work. Well, I'm not going to do the work. I'm going to take care of myself and all this stuff. But when they did, they, they found themselves celebrating because they did it. Okay, now the last one I'm going to go to is Nehemiah. Nehemiah, they're not building the temple. They're building city walls. Because the walls around Jerusalem had been torn down. It was considered a shame. And this time, once again, the people are giving financially. But chapter 3 of Nehemiah, and it's right after Ezra, so if you're there, it's, it's not hard to get there. Chapter 3 of Nehemiah is one of the most interesting, repetitive chapters in the Bible. You know how some chapters are repetitive? And, and, and if you ever go through numbers and read all the numbers, I just want to give you a pat on the back. Because when it says the first tribe gave this much, and then it goes to the second tribe and they gave the exact same much. And you go to the third tribe and they gave the exact same much. Do you really need to read 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12? Right? Some of the repetitive parts are a little bit boring. I call that dedication. <laughs> okay. This is repetitive, but it's repetitive in a different way. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built, and they with them built... Next to them built Zakur, the son of the son of Imri built. The son of Hassaniah built the fish gate. They laid its beams, set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel. And it goes on for 36 verses. <clears throat> Sorry, 36 verses. <laughs> 32 verses of this guy built next to this guy built next to this guy. One guy built with his daughters. I'm going, I hope you ha didn't have sons, because if you did, shame on them. There was one part where it said the nobles of these people didn't build. 
because they would not bow there. And it's like, wow, these guys are called out for eternity. And, and, and for the, the people of, of the building the wall, there was both sacrificial and labor sacrifice. Uh, and, and more than that, they persevered in the face of danger. In chapter 4, the work almost gets stopped because the people surrounding them don't want to build because they, they, they don't want Jerusalem to be strong. They don't want the Israelites to be strong. Let me read to you how they dealt with that. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. I'll start at verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each with his work. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other. If we wrote this today, it would say, the builders were packing, <laughs> right? They were, while they were packing plywood or two-by-fours with this hand, they were packing <laughs> with the other hand. That's what they did. These people would not be stopped, right? They, they would not be stopped. And the amazing thing about this, here's the thing that really makes them a, 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 a unique in this passage, is when the, when, when it, they're, because their, their sacrifice was both, sacrifice, was both financial and physical, it was a lot of time they sacrificed to do this. But when it was finished, they didn't start celebrating. They got together, and they had the Word of God read to them. And as they had the Word of God read to them, they started grieving because they realized how far they fell short of what God's Word was saying to them. They realized how they had failed God. And the leaders said, uh-oh, this isn't what we want. And we find one of the most fun verses of Scripture in here, Nehemiah chapters uh, 8, verses 10 through 12. Uh, then he said to them, I'll start at verse 9 again to give a little context, so I'm not just making it up. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Verse 10, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this is a day... This day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You go, What? Nehemiah, that's where that verse came from? Nehemiah? Nehemiah is about building walls, and Nehemiah is where we get the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, so the Levites uh, calmed all the people, said, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send their portions uh, and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So they had to be told, No, 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 stop grieving, celebrate, <laughs> rejoice. This is a good thing. And, and, and he was telling them that I had to celebrate. You know, there's a couple consistent things through here. Sacrifice and celebration. And, and in each one of these, there's sacrifice, and in each one of them, there's celebration. And the sacrifice is different in different ones. The building of the temple, for most of the people, the sacrifice was relatively small. It's kind of interesting because it was the biggest end result of the bunch. For some of the others, the sacrifice was great. Right, uh, for it, it, it's different. I, yeah, I want I, I I wrote down here share personal testimony. I put I put two photo albums and a, and a picture on the table in the back. Uh, the, the 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 bigger older albums got pictures from the first building, of, of this place. And it's fun. Yeah, if if you're looking for someone you know in there, good luck, unless you've been here for a while. Uh, but but you might you will see 
uh, Lorraine Damson, I think she's pushing a wheelbarrow. No, she's working in a ditch, in, in the, the, the ditch for the, the footings. She, she's, she's in there with a shovel. You go, wow. <laughs> we, just, we just had somebody do that with a really big excavator. <laughs> Lorraine's in there with a shovel, so you can, you can find her if, if you know Lorraine. And, and we can see pictures of the, the original building. I got to be a little bit, I got to be just on the tail end of that. I was trying to remember what I had done, because I helped put up the rock, you know, that lava rock that's out front. I got to help do that in 1988. Okay, uh, and, and, I, and I thought, did I help do the siding? And I remembered, yeah, I did, because that's when I smashed my thumb so bad. <laughs> I was up on the soffit, putting, putting up the, the framing for the soffit at that end, and, and someone said something as I was doing this, and I just peeled the skin back on that thumb like, and I thought, oh yeah, I remember, I was helped part of that. <laughs> I helped put in the uh, slate that's on the floor in the entranceway, whether you like it or hate it, uh, I got to be part, so I got to be a little bit involved with the first building project. Uh, we, we did another building project where we added, if you, if, you, if you got eyes to see, you can see where the, there's a transition about the end of those lights from, from one type of, of, of sheetrock or finish to another. And it's not hugely astounding, maybe you've never noticed it and now you do and it'll bug you for the rest of your life, like me. But, but we added on these 20 feet and, and there's pictures of that project back there and there's Warren Damption riding on a wall. He's up on top, scooting along like this as he does something or another, getting ready to set up the trusses. And, and there's Charlie Turk. I, I, Charlie Turk, 20 years ago, I thought was too old to be on a roof. <laughs> and, and, and I, and he, but he said, oh, no, I'm going to work on the roof. It's just fine. And I, I thought, I know how to get around this. I'm going to tell on him. So, so I, I, sorry, I'm telling a story that I didn't ask permission to tell. But <laughs> so, so I go to the house, and I told Betty, Charlie wants to work on the roof at church, and she started laughing at me. <laughs> she said, do you know what Charlie did for a living? I said, no. She says, you know those guys on the trains that run and hop from one train to the next? <laughs> she says, I'm not worried about Charlie on a roof. <laughs> it's not even going anywhere. <laughs> and, and, and that one there. We've got a few pictures of, of the Sunday school wing going up. And uh, I've got a picture of son Josh and Bruce Dane up on a roof. And you'd never know it was them if you didn't know it was them. Because they are bundled. Like, it's almost like a, a burqa, except it's a cold weather burqa. <laughs> you know? And you just don't see them. But the, the, for whatever reason, we had to be up there in the middle of winter. It was like, I don't know, with wind chill, it's probably zero or below, and they're up there doing whatever they need to do on the roof. You'd never know it was them. And, and, and what I'm sharing is some personal remem memories, right, of, of building. Gobs of hours, gobs of time, gobs of fun. One of the pictures is me and Greg having a shootout with screw guns. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there's, but I want to tell you something. I don't look back on any of it as a sacrifice. I mean, th there were times of frustration. There were times of blood, sweat, and I will not admit to tears. <laughs> you know, there were times of tiredness, right? You understand that? And when I say blood, I mean, I, I've, I've confessed to you before, I don't know how to work on something without bleeding. It's just, it's, it's like Robert Abel, I said that once in church, and he said something about, well, I don't know what you're doing, why you would bleed, and then I went and helped with a plumbing problem in his, in his house, and in about five minutes I was bleeding. And he goes, oh, you weren't kidding. 
it's, it's like, I don't, it's, it's a gift I have, you know, I, I bleed. And, and uh, you know what, it's, it, it's just, I'm not saying it's not hard, I'm not saying there isn't a cost, I'm not saying it doesn't require effort, but you don't look back on it as a sacrifice. And, and the laughter I'm sharing here is the joy I feel, right? The, this is a privilege to participate in. Okay? I want to be sure we walk away with that. I don't know if I can speak for everybody who is involved with our different building projects, but I'm pretty confident I'm speaking for most that they agree with me. Yeah, there was sacrifice. There was time sacrificed. There was sweat. There was a lot of money sacrificed. But it's not a sacrifice. And, and why is that? Because what we're building for is worth it. We recognize that. We may not technically think, yea, verily, I go today to build for the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I, at least I don't think that way. I think of, oh, today we're doing roofing. <laughs> I, I, I really look forward to getting up on the roof and working, because I, I enjoy that. But I'm not sure I have it in me <laughs> anymore. <laughs> in, this, in those pictures, I, I should stop talking about those pictures. In those pictures, there's this skinny guy with brown hair, okay? <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. I, I know I've, he was there. He doesn't look the same anymore. We'll find out. Today, today, we're officially breaking ground. By the way, all that celebration that we, we read about, that was for the end of the project. More, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, because, for instance, with the giving for the tabernacle, they were rejoicing simply at the opportunity to give. Uh, uh, it's, it, we're breaking ground. We're not dedicating the building. You know? we're, we're breaking ground. Dedication comes when the building is built. But it's not too early for commitment. And, and I ask you today, as we, as we look forward to this project, that you commit yourself to be involved somehow, but only, only if you can do it with a willing heart. And I'm saying that, that counts for if you're dropping money in the bag or showing up with a hammer and trying to figure out which side of the nail is okay to use, right? Should I tell the other joke, Sunday school class? You weren't there. Is, is <laughs> I told him, I don't know, it's, it's like guaranteed to offend somebody. So I'll tell it, okay? <laughs> this, the foreman shows up at the work site. He's got three guys working for him. A Russian, see, a, a Mexican, and a, and, a, and a Korean, right? And uh, he, said, he, he turns to the Mexican guy. He says, okay, you're in charge of the cement. By the time I get back, I want those footing poured. I want the cement looking good. Turns to the Russian. He says, all that dirt I want in one big pile. Turns to the Korean. He says, you're in charge of supplies. Then he says to all three of them, when I get back, I'm going to see how you did. Your job depends on this. So he goes off, and he, he spends his day doing whatever he, it is he needs to do. He comes back. He calls the Mexican. He looks at the, looks, says, show me the cement. The Mexican shows him the cement. Man, that looks good. That looks good. You did a good job. He, he calls the Russian over. He says, I can see the pile of dirt. You did a great job. Thank you. He says, where's the Korean? The Korean jumps out from behind the dirt and says, supplies. <laughs> 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 okay, if you need my resignation, just let me know. <laughs> uh <-huh. Yeah. laughs> okay. 
away from that to some, back to the point that was actually serious. <laughs> willing hearts. We ask for willing hearts as we go forward with this building program project. Please, I mean, I, I mean that with as much sincerity as I know how to, to call forward. Uh, willing hearts build it. Because willing hearts build a church. Right? Let's let willing hearts build the, build, build the building. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this project. I thank you for these people. Lord, I pray that this church that, that we prepare to build, this, this fellowship hall that we prepare to build, will be used for your glory, that good work will be done through it, that you will lay your hand a blessing on it. But Father, for right now, I ask your blessing on the builders. I ask your blessing on the givers. I ask your blessing on the people who make it happen. Father, bless us as we seek to serve you. I pray in Jesus' name. Now, now, as we close, the worship team comes forward.